The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. We're getting set for the final trading day of the month as investors look to hit the reset button, the stocks that should be on your shopping list as we turn the page. And setting the tone this morning will be retail uh, as Target gets set to report its latest quarterly results. We're going to lay out the bull case ahead of the tape. That's coming up next. And maybe the groundhog was right. As the Northeast just gets slammed in its first major winter storm of the season, its track in the new system still developing ahead. Plus, today marks the first 100 days as Disney CEO for Bob Iger again. And after claiming victory in his proxy war with Nelson Peltz, the new headwinds that are appearing on the horizon. And later on, better late than never, as Meta unveils a new team dedicated to developing new AI tools. It is February the 28th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Collins. Get a check on the markets and your money as we kick off this hour. U.S. stock futures are a bit muted uh, after a day of trading. uh, Sorry, in the last day of trading right now. uh, Futures that we can see right now. In the red across the board, again, just fractionally down, as you can see right here. Now, this is the major averages remain on pace for their second down month in three, all lower between one and three percent. You can see the Nasdaq down only one. The Dow, the hardest hit, down about three and a half percent, actually. Checking the bond market, yields continue to hover near their highest level since back in November. Looking right now, the two-year note at 4.81%. The 10-year note at 3.94, still bumping against that 4% yield. Also eyeing energy. Oil still pretty much steady, near 76 bucks a barrel. Right now, we're seeing crude up almost a percent this morning. WTI crude, I should say. Brent crude at about 83 bucks a barrel, up three quarters of 1%. Also watching crypto. We're seeing both Bitcoin and Ether this morning. Always watching these two up fractionally. Bitcoin still below that 25,000 mark. Um, Solana, hard hit this morning, down more than 1%. All right, let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and the early trade over in Europe. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is standing by in our London newsroom. Good morning, Juliana. Good morning, Frank. Well, here in Europe, we started out the day on the back foot, but we've been slowly gaining some positive momentum. So we've got a bit of green on the board. The IBEX 35 in Spain trading about 0.6% higher. The Italian market hovering around the flat line. We do have some red, though. FTSE 100 still down about 0.4%. So a bit of a pullback after what was a strong session yesterday. The big data points out this morning, inflation prints from Spain and France, both surprising to the upside. So showing that inflation pressure uh, in not only the U.S., but Europe is also proving stickier than expected. Now, a few stocks to highlight for you. Credit Suisse is trading lower this morning. A Swiss financial watchdog, FINMA, has found that Credit Suisse seriously breached its supervisory obligations in the Greensill scandal, a long, sprawling political and financial saga. The watchdog concluded its investigation into the lender, adding that it had ordered remedial measures. 
Now, shares in the South Korean battery material producer LNF jumped in Asian trade after Tesla announced a $2.9 billion order for cathode materials. These high nickel components will be used in Tesla's EV, energy generation, and storage businesses over the next two years. And big news in Hong Kong. The region will drop its COVID mask mandate after 945 days in an effort to boost economic activity and lure back visitors and businesses. Chief Executive John Lee has said from Wednesday, masks will no longer be required indoors, outdoors, or on public transportation. And here you have the Hang Seng underperforming in the overnight session, down about 0.8%. While we did have some green on the board, uh, the Shanghai Composite in mainland China traded about 0.7% higher. Frank? All right, our Juliana Tannelbaum, live from London. Thank you, Juliana. All right, let's get a check on this morning's top corporate stories. Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Well, let's start with Mark Zuckerberg because he says Meta will create a new team to build AI products for Instagram and WhatsApp. In a Facebook post, Zuckerberg says the group will focus on generative AI or machine learning that allows computers and apps to generate text, draw pictures and create other media that resembles human content. Apps like ChatGPT are considered generative AI. The unit will combine several teams across the company and will be organized under Meta's current chief product officer, Chris Cox. Mexico and Tesla are close to announcing a deal as soon as today on the company's plans to invest in the country. Reuters, citing Mexican officials, says this comes after President López Obrador and Tesla CEO Elon Musk spoke yesterday. On Friday, López Obrador said Tesla would be denied permits to build a plant in the northern state of Nuevo León if water is scarce in the region. And the White House is giving all federal agencies 30 days to remove TikTok from government devices as the Chinese-owned app is under increasing scrutiny over security concerns. Some departments, including the Pentagon, Homeland Security and State, already have restrictions in place. Canada has followed the U.S.'s lead, also banning TikTok on government devices. China's foreign ministry responding today, saying the U.S. is overstretching the concept of national security, Frank. Very interesting ban yeah. there, Silvana. All right, our Silvana Hanau. We'll see you later on the show. Sure, All right, turning our attention back to the markets now, which have struggled mightily this month as they run in just a buzzsaw of hotter than expected inflation data and a series of hawkish Fed speaks suggesting interest rates may need to be higher for longer. The latest comments coming from Fed Governor Philip Jefferson, who spoke yesterday to an economic class at Harvard. He says he's under no illusion it's going to be easy to get inflation back down to the Fed's target of 2%, but... He's committed to doing what it takes. Traders are now pricing interest rates to peak at about 5.3% or so, compared to just about 5% just a month ago. Let's talk much more about this now with Kate Faddis, Senior Portfolio Manager at Fernwood Investment Management. Kate, great to see you. Thank you so much for having me, Frank. Congratulations on your new show. Hi. I am honored. Kate, thank you very much. All right, so we just noted that the Fed funds futures show an even bigger move to the upside. Do you agree or disagree with this idea that we're going to see those rates higher for longer? I honestly have no idea, but this is what I do know. For equities, which is my area, now investors are much more discerning because you can get a treasury for 5%. So this is really an area of concern. And I think people are going to be much more careful about are we going to buy equities or not? So now you really have an alternative. All right. So 
Are you concerned or are you seeing opportunities? Because I think you're hitting on a really important part of what we're seeing in the bond market, especially those shorter duration bonds, the two and the five year hitting levels we haven't seen since November. And those are obviously elevated just in general. Is that changing your thoughts about portfolio management and what percentage of a portfolio is bonds? Yes, it's it's definitely I mean, if you can get five percent <laughs> with no risk, I mean, that is really quite compelling. I mean, think about how much the market lost last year. Last year was a terrible year for stocks. It was a terrible year for bonds. So investors are feeling skittish. So, yes, do I see people saying, you know what, let's have a let's increase that uh, bond rating. Yes, I but, see that. But let's not talk people, Kate. What about you? I mean, 60, 40 is the quote unquote traditional. Where are you at right now? Like if you were balancing a portfolio after you get off of this show, what percent is going to be bonds and how, what percent of those bonds are going to be short duration bonds? Well, naturally, it depends on the client and their risk profile and yabba dabba. But I think 60-40 works. And certainly, most of that will be short duration because you can get your 5% and you can see what happens. All right. We want to get to your stock picks. You always got them for us. Um, so <laughs> last week, we were marking the Ukraine conflict entering its second year. You have one pick that kind of plays off of that theme. It is CACI, tickers the same thing, CACI. So I got to ask you, why pick that company as opposed to some of the companies that are part of the nuclear triad or other well-known defense names like Raytheon? Well, Frank, it, as you said, it is a defense contractor. So it's really at the nexus of two very long secular tailwinds. The first one obviously is defense, national security. The second one is IT and cybersecurity. So you know, Ukraine, short of world peace, defense contractors will always have a job. This company does some very cool things with intelligence, satellite communication, cyber, photonics, network security, also modernizing uh, what's going on. What I like about it is that it grows its top line consistently, low to mid single digits. They generate a fair amount of free cash flow, 9 to 10% free cash flow margins, and currently relatively inexpensive at 11 times the price of free cash flow. doesn't pay dividends, but it does buy back its stock. So this one works well with what's going on. All right, there we go. Kate Faddis picking CACI. Also give me something to Google, Photonics. I got to look that up. Kate Faddis, thanks for being here. All right, when we come back here on WEX, your big money movers and why shares of Zoom are heading higher ahead of the open, but still way off those pandemic records. Plus, a look at Bob Iger's first 100 days since he retook the top job at Disney. The challenges that still remain ahead. But first, it's the largest mobile telecom showcase of the year, the Mobile World Congress, going on right now in Barcelona. Our Karen Cho is live right there on the ground. Hey, Karen. Hi, Frank. The sky's the limit how 5G is connecting up large mobile devices like this flying robo-taxi behind me. Worldwide Exchange will be back in a moment. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. 
that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to WEX. The 2023 Mobile World Congress continues today in Barcelona, Spain. Some of the top tech on display from the biggest players in the industry showcasing even bigger bets on 5G, AI, and much more. Our Karen Cho, right there in the middle of it, joins us now with much more. Good morning, Karen. Frank, good morning. Well, when we talk about mobile devices, we often think about smartphones are manufactured by the likes of Samsung, Apple, many big Chinese players. But more and more thanks to 5G, we're talking about large connected devices including flying robo-taxis like the one behind me. We've seen a lot of this type of technology showcased at technology events before, but the difference this time is that the timeline is becoming much shorter. This company, the South Korean company SK Telecom, partnered last year with a U.S. company, Joby Aviation, to effectively build out these vertical takeoff and landing type of operations. It means that by 2025, they're hoping to be operational. What we're talking about, though, is still significant safety concerns over the next five to seven years. But eventually they want this to be big in the tourism sector. They want to use it for logistics, but also health services. So this is a significant slice of the pie as you think about traditional telecoms carriers broadening out their revenue models. But of course, what is key is having 5G that works. All the promises we've heard about low latency, fewer dropouts. Can you imagine the safety issues if there are dropouts around a device like this in the sky? So that is still a major consideration, building resilient networks. That is a very dominant conversation here as we talk about all of the use cases around 5G. And don't forget behind the scenes, it's being used in a lot of industrial cases, manufacturing. So safety is key, but also performance in that context, Frank. By the way, that robo-taxi flying behind you is beyond cool. That's pretty cool just to be there and just something hovering behind you. Um, So a lot of talk about 5G, but tell us about the AI buzz there. Obviously, AI is a big secular trend. AI has taken the market by storm. Late last year, we were hearing about these AI chatbots. Until now, the industry had been talking about AI improving automation behind the scenes, and that's still a huge theme. But the chatbots, we've seen Microsoft and Google fight it out over this type of technology. So metaverse AI is significant. Overnight, Facebook and Snapchat both coming up with their offerings. Facebook talking about pulling its team together. That's been working a lot of AI innovation behind the scenes for many years, but it now wants to fold out that technology in some of its tech servicing from WhatsApp to Messenger, across to video type of content on Instagram, on Facebook. Snap offering this too with its subscriber base, $3.99 per month you pay for that company for the service, but it wants to offer this type of service as well. And if you think about the big challenge for a lot of these players now, the advertising cycle has been hit by the economy. Subscription revenue promises a more stable revenue base, but providing something that forces consumers or encourages consumers to sign up for these services, that's potentially where AI chatbots come into the mix. So it's big business, Frank. All right, Karen Cho with her finger on the pulse of everything going on at the Mobile World Congress. Great stuff as always, Karen. Great to see you. All right, coming up on WEX, Chris Rock gets ready to break his silence over the Will Smith Oscar slap. Elon Musk retakes the spot, the top spot, on a very exclusive list. And, oh, man, the MJ Dynasty collection goes up for auction. We'll explain what that is and why I want it. Your top trending stories when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. 
Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. A live look at the roads in Boston. Temperature, 31 degrees. Big winter storm hitting the East Coast. Want to say hi to all my friends up there in Boston. Probably know this person in the car. Good luck out there. Those roads can get pretty tricky up there in New England. All right, time now for a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Menez in New York with the very latest. Good morning, Philip. Hey, Frank, good morning. And more than a dozen tornadoes tore across the southern plains and the Midwest leaving behind a path of destruction in its wake. Norman, Oklahoma, suffered a direct hit. Many homes that are ripped to shreds. At least four twisters touched down in Illinois, two in the Chicago suburbs. And parts of the Northeast, including New York City, saw its first significant snowfall of the year. More is expected in upstate New York today, as well as in New England, which could make for some dicey travel. And according to FlightAware, more than 400 flights have already been canceled today. The U.S. Marshals Service says it suffered a major security breach. According to a spokesperson, a ransomware attack earlier this month impacted a system that contains sensitive information, including identifiable details about subjects of investigations, third parties, and some Marshal Service employees. A senior law enforcement official familiar with the breach tells NBC News that this database did not contain any information about people in the witness protection program. The agency says the system was disconnected from the network. The Justice Department has opened up an investigation. Finally, it looks like the star boy is breaking some records. The weekend has become the first artist in Spotify history to reach 100 million monthly listeners. Miley Cyrus is right behind at number two with 82 million monthly listeners. And Taylor Swift is at number three with 80 million. Rihanna's right behind her at 79 million. Frank, that is a staggering amount yeah. of people streaming them. Absolutely. You know, he's got so many hits, though. You don't think about it until you hear him sing. But a ton of hits for, like, about 10 years now. So, yeah. big weekend fan. Yeah, Phil good Amanda. run. Good to see you, man. You too. All right, time now for one of my favorite segments here on the show, the big money movers. We're going to start off with Zoom video jumping in extended trading up more than 6.5%, posting top and bottom line beats for its fourth quarter and issuing first quarter earnings guidance that was above expectations. This very upbeat forecast signaling that the pandemic darling's cost-cutting push, which included eliminating 15% of its workforce, is helping offset a sales slowdown. And you don't want to miss Zoom CFO Kelly Steckelberg in a first on CNBC interview today on Squawk Box at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. All right, moving on to Workday, that's moving in the opposite direction, down more than 2%. Despite beating revenue and earnings expectations, the human resources company saying it's still on track to return to a 20% subscription growth, but offering some conservative guidance in a very tough cloud software environment. And last but not least, shares of Hims and Hers Health surging double digits after posting a smaller-than-expected loss for the fourth quarter and beating Wall Street estimates when it comes to revenue. The online health and wellness company offering strong guidance for the full year following an 88% increase in membership compared to the prior year. All right, sticking with stocks and one of the best-performing Dow components so far this year, with shares up more than 15% year-to-date. Today marks CEO Bob Iger's first 100 days in his second term at the helm, 
And man, it has been a busy 100 days at that. Since taking over from Bob Chapek, Iger has reorganized the company to put decision-making back in the hands of creators, unveiled a plan to save $5.5 billion with a combination of content spending rollbacks and layoffs, and successfully ended a proxy battle with activist investor Nelson Peltz. You saw a lot of that play out right here on CNBC. But now for his second act, he faces a number of challenges, possibly outside of his control, including an ad recession and potential pullback in consumer spending, areas that could hit streaming and the theme parks. Joining me now is CNBC.com media reporter Alex Sherman. Alex, good morning. Great to have you on. Hey, Frank. Happy to be here. All right. So I think the first question here is, how do you judge Bob Iger's second 100 days as CEO? Is it by the stock rise? Is it by the fact that he ended the proxy battle? I mean, how are you judging it? I think Iger's, Iger has two major goals to come up. And I don't know if either of these will be accomplished in his second 100 days. But certainly, if you extend the timeline to, let's say, the next year or so, uh, we should have more clarity on both of these. Uh, the first one is what to do with Hulu. And in that uh, CNBC interview that you alluded to with Bob Iger and David Faber uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Iger sort of broke the news on our air that he was open to any option with Hulu, which was the first time he had said that. So that many people are interpreting that as a signal uh, that he is now willing to potentially sell Disney's 66% stake in Hulu, maybe even to our own parent company, Comcast, which owns the other 33%. Comcast would be the most logical buyer for Hulu because it owns that significant minority stake already. Uh, so an acquisition would allow all of Hulu to come together under one roof. Disney has an option uh, which can be forced by Comcast to buy the remaining 33% stake in January of 2024. So any sort of deal where Disney were to sell Hulu uh, would likely have to come about before then. So we should know more okay. about that in the coming months. The other, op the other thing I think that you need to look for uh, in terms of how to judge Iger, I would say, over the next you know, year or so, is from a more holistic, strategic sense, uh, what does he want to do with Disney? He needs to find a successor. Is he going to stick around past two years? He only has a two-year contract. Right. Does he want to stay for five years? I mean, that's, I think, the, the other thing we need to know from Iger is, is he going to get succession right this time? Wow. So you're laying out a lot here. I also want to ask you about something else. Let's stay pretty uh, granular on this. He has another big thing to, fit, to deal with, ESPN managing its digital transition and whether or not to spin it off and how much to invest in sports rights. There's just a lot of things going on with that particular uh, brand when it comes to Disney. Yeah, right. I didn't even touch ESPN. I mean, he, he, there's a lot on his plate. Uh, the big question with ESPN is, at some point, does Iger say, you know what, we're going to allow subscribers to access linear ESPN uh, in a streaming way, you know, we're going to charge, say, $25 a month and you're going to get basically what you get on ESPN Linear, but only on ESPN Streaming. Sources that I have spoken to around Disney have always told me, look, we're not really all that close to doing that. The bundle is too important, the linear cable bundle. And if we were to do that, we would basically be cannibalizing ourselves. We would be accelerating the death of linear TV. 
So we don't we're not at the point yet where we want to basically just take ESPN and replicate it in a streaming world. So we'll see if that changes over the next year. Uh, if not, you know, perhaps there are changes or little tweaks down the road to ESPN or ESPN Plus that potentially will make that a more appealing product. All right, Sharon, we got to get out of here in a second, but you alluded to something, the succession plan. Um, do you expect him to release at least an idea, if not a, a definite successor, sometime this year? I mean, again, this is you'd have to think toward the end of the year, we should know something about what his plans are, particularly if his end plan is, you know what, I'm going to stick around a little while. Uh, uh, Maybe we get a hint there that he wants more time. Uh, If not, you know, maybe we at least start to get some names out there of people he's been talking with uh, to potentially take over. That would be my guess on a timeline. All right, Alex Sherman, great to have you on. We have to look for your article on possible successors coming up later this year. Deep tease, Alex. Great to have you. All right, coming up here on WEX, $400 billion in student loan debt hangs in the balance as the Supreme Court hears for the very first time arguments that will decide the future of one of President Biden's 2020 campaign promises. We'll be right back, right here on WEX. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and we're just getting started here on WEX. Here is what's still on deck. Investors preparing to close out a very tough February as the market's solid start to the year falters. Futures pointing to a muted open on this final trading day of the month. And a potential catalyst for investors today, target results due out in just about an hour, giving fresh clues on the health of the consumer. We dive in into what to watch. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ramping up his fight with Disney, signing off on legislation, giving him new power over the entertainment giant in that state. It is Tuesday, February 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Collins. Pick up the half hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. As we said, pretty much muted, basically flat to fractionally lower right now. Actually, a little bit moved to the upside here on the Dow but still a muted open. This is the major averages remain on pace for their second down month in three. All three set to close out February down between one and three and a half percent. You see the Dow is the hardest hit. The Nasdaq still holding on to some of those gains from the beginning of the month, but definitely a downturn as we see in the month end. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top stories now. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning once again. Frank, good morning again. A special bipartisan House committee focused on China is set to make its debut in primetime today. The 7 p.m. Eastern hearing by the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party will feature testimony from former Trump administration National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster and Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The committee will focus on threats to the U.S. economy from China, including decoupling from Beijing, TikTok, and outbound investments by U.S. venture capital firms. The Supreme Court is set to take up arguments over President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan today and the fate of nearly $400 billion of debt. Critics have argued the president didn't have the power to forgive consumer debt on his own without authorization from Congress. And the political fight between Florida and Disney taking a new turn with Governor Ron DeSantis formally signing off on a bill giving him control over the company's self-governing district in that state. The bill requires the Republican governor to appoint a five-member board to oversee the government services that the Disney district provides 
at its theme park properties. The move by DeSantis is seen as punishment for Disney's opposition to Florida's law barring elementary schools from teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity, Frank. All right, Savan Hanau, thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right, Target now kicking off a big week for retail earnings as stores brace for years set to bring slower sales and more price-conscious customers. Shares of Target are down 35% from their 52-week high as the big-box retailer faces inventory trouble, squeeze profit margins, and some concerns about middle-income consumers grappling with sticky inflation. The company missing Wall Street's earnings expectations for three consecutive quarters and also warning investors to expect soft holiday sales. Target is holding a conference call this morning as well as an investor day in New York City. Joining me now to discuss is Rupesh Parikh, Oppenheimer Managing Director and Senior Analyst. Rupesh, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. All right, so Rupesh, uh, we, we're just laid out some of the, the headwinds for this, this company and the stock right now. Give us a sense of what you're looking for in this report. Is it about revenue? Is it about EPS? Or is it about something else? Yeah, so I think first for Q4, we think it will be an inline report. So the street is modeled dollar for, dollar in earnings for Q4, you know, down more than 50% year, year over year. So we think expectations are, are in the right place. The real focus is on guidance for the upcoming fiscal year. And if you look at Target, given the challenges this year on the inventory front, significant markdowns and some shrink, we have operating margins this year down in the low 3% range. So the focus is, can Target get back to pre-pandemic levels in that 6% range over time? And so I think the real focus is, is what management thinks they can do from an operating margin perspective in the coming year and how they see that progression back to pre-pandemic levels of 6% plus. And at the same time, you know, inventory is a big focus. So we saw Walmart last week. They did a great job in reducing inventory. So okay. uh, we'll be very focused on inventory as well. All right, Rupesh, something I want you to explain to me. So I'm seeing your estimate when it comes to guidance for the next full year. Your EPS estimate for next full year is way below what the street has, but you still have a buy on the stock. How do you put together these two ideas? Yeah, so if you look at the group, so we've seen earnings resets from Walmart and Dollar Journal last week. We see a reset from both Dollar Tree and Target. So I think the buy side expectations are lower for Target and really some of the other names out there. And for us, this is very much a multi-year profit recovery story. So this year, we expect Target to earn a little over $5. And then next year, we think earnings could exceed $10. So you can almost double earnings between you know, this, this past fiscal year and FY24. So this, for us, this is very much a two-year recovery story. Okay. One of the biggest differences between Walmart and Target is the grocery business. For Walmart, it's about 50% of the business. For Target, it's only about 20%. So they don't have that to lean on. Let's talk about some of the other areas where Target generally excels, specialty retail, electronics, beauty, et cetera. What are you expecting? Yes, I think beauty is really one of the hottest categories out there in retail. So we expect at least a high single-digit comp within that category. So recent supplier reports from Elf and other players point to a very strong beauty backdrop for both makeup and skincare. So I think they'll do well there. And then other parts of their business, whether it's apparel, consumer electronics, even home, I think those categories will be more challenged. So overall, I think both grocery and beauty will help to offset some of the weakness in the other areas. All right, Rupesh, before we let you go, what is your pick when it comes to the retail space? We're talking about these retail earnings. You also, I believe, mentioned Dollar Tree. What's your top pick for retail right now? Yes, our top pick right now is Ulta Beauty to really play a very strong makeup, skincare, and fragrance cycle. Yeah, a lot of people uh, kind of back out with the reopening, looking to freshen themselves up. I've had a visit all to myself at the TV business, Rupesh. Rupesh Parikh from Oppenheimer. Great stuff as always. Thank you for being here. All right. Be sure to catch Target chairman and CEO Brian Cornell following those results in a CNBC exclusive coming up on Squawk Box at 7 a.m. Eastern. 
All right, turning our attention to chips. Semiconductor makers are getting their first chance to apply for a piece of the $50 billion in government funds from the CHIPS Act. Applications officially going live today, pulling back the curtain on some of the criteria to get you a piece of that money. Kayla Tausche joins us now from Bloomington, Minnesota, with more on the application process and one company looking to get a piece of that funding. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning, Frank. And that application just went live this hour. 75 single-spaced pages from the Department of Commerce. And certainly many companies are going to be combing through that to figure out exactly what their request will be. And Skywater Technology, a mid-cap company that largely services chips to the aerospace, defense, and healthcare industries, is just one of those. In this basement testing facility that we visited uh, over the last day, wafers made in the fab upstairs are put under extreme heat, cold and electrical tests. But 80% of the machines that you're looking at right there are idled as the company prepares to relocate these machines and turn this room into a new fab, doubling the site's production capacity. But Skywater executives estimate it will take hundreds of millions of dollars to recreate this fab one floor below, expand one in Florida, and build a new one from scratch in Indiana. The Commerce Department says there is no cap for the amount that a company would receive through a grant, a loan, or a guarantee, and that companies must share cash flow with the government if earnings exceed projections. They also say that a company that receives money cannot expand its foreign production for 10 years, that companies receiving more than $150 million must provide child care, and that no money is used for buybacks. Skywater CEO Tom Sonderman tells me that's a good thing. I could argue that part of the reason we're in the situation where we are at today as a country is because we weren't investing in next generation manufacturing technology in the U.S. Uh, we were, you know, doing stock buybacks. So I think it's a message to larger companies that, you know, you need to think long term. Skywater as a company is still growing and scaling. It spun off from Cypress Semiconductors in 2017. Uh, Wall Street sees Skywater as profitable in 2024, and Sonderman says that baseline is without any chips funding. Frank? So, Kelly, you laid out a lot of different restrictions to get the money. Uh, what kind of projects do you expect Commerce to approve first? Well, previously, Commerce Department officials have suggested that smaller projects could get approved first to essentially provide a windfall for companies that lacked other sources of capital than the big mega caps that are looking to build these billion dollar fabs. But yesterday, the Commerce Department changed its tune on that. And officials said that they understand that perhaps you need to build some of those bigger facilities at the nuclear center of a lot of these clusters that they're trying to form around the country so that the workforce programs, the suppliers, the r and follows around that. So now they're saying not necessarily those smaller projects that are going to get greenlit first. Perhaps it's actually going to be the bigger ones. Frank? All right. All right, Kayla live in Bloomington, Minnesota with a big story for today. I have a feeling, Kayla, we're going to see you all day long. Thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Thank WEX, you. a massive coast-to-coast storm bringing a blast of winter to the east this morning, the latest on the treacherous conditions and those big headaches that a lot of the travelers are facing. But first, as we had the break, some of your top trending stories. We begin with Elon Musk taking back the title as the world's richest person after very briefly losing it to LVMH founder Bernard Arnault. Musk returned to the top being bolstered by a surge in Tesla stock price this year, up nearly 100% from its intraday low just last month. Sotheby's unveiling six Nike Air Jordan sneakers won by his airness, Michael Jordan himself, during his six NBA championship games with the Bulls, dubbed the Dynasty Collection. It's considered to be the holy grail by many sneaker collectors, including me. 
with memorabilia experts valuing those shoes in the millions, which could make them the most expensive pairs of shoes ever sold, like ever, ever. And the slap heard around the world, getting another moment in the spotlight. Chris Rock set to finally talk about the Will Smith slap at last year's Oscars in a new Netflix special, which will debut live this Saturday on the streaming platform. He said he was going to wait till he got big bucks to talk about it. Worldwide Exchange, back in a moment. All right, welcome back to WEX. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories that you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. Mark Zuckerberg's Meta is creating a new working group focused on developing artificial intelligence products and tech. Zuckerberg says its efforts will be focused on use cases for Instagram and WhatsApp. Robinhood says it's received a subpoena from the SEC in a filing late yesterday. The company says the agency is inquiring about its crypto listings and platform operation, among other issues. Occidental Petroleum's latest quarterly profit and revenue coming in below expectations, but the company is unveiling a new $3 billion share buyback program and a 38% increase to its dividend, now 18 cents a share. More revelations in the role Fox News played in pushing false narratives around the 2020 election, according to court documents. Fox chairman Rupert Murdoch says some anchors on the company's television networks did indeed publicly endorse false election fraud claims. And Howard Marks Oak Tree Capital is looking to raise $10 billion for a new fund that will help finance large private equity takeovers. According to the Financial Times, the firm expects to offer loans of about $500 million or more to leverage buyout groups. That money will be used to fund corporate acquisitions. And the White House is giving government agencies 30 days to delete TikTok from federal devices and systems in a bid to keep U.S. data out of Beijing's reach. This comes as a new House committee holds its first hearing today on competition between China and the United States. All right, as we head to break, during February, we're celebrating Black Heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors and business leaders. Here is Walgreens Boots Alliance CEO, Roz Brewer. We actually have more shared values than we really understand because so many of us face adversities or different trials or tribulations, not only based on race and gender. And so what are those things that might feel like they hold us back, but actually they give us the strength to be who we really are? And so outside my community, I love to have conversations about who we are at our core and then begin to share our lived experiences and find those commonalities and then realize that race and gender have sometimes less to do with why we are not interacting with each other at our best points. All right, welcome back to WEX. Turning to that developing story, parts of the Northeast, including the New York City area, seeing its first significant snowfall of the year. More is expected in northern parts of New York and New England today, which could make for some very dicey travel. And according to FlightAware, over 400 flights have already been canceled today. Be safe if you're out there. All right, gearing up for the trading day ahead now. Three economic reports of note, the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, Chicago PMI, and consumer confidence figures, all of them out this morning. And then on the earnings front, we're going to hear from Target, as we've been talking about all morning, Rivian and Norwegian Cruise Line. Also, many other stocks there. You see Ross, a discount retailer, something to watch. Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsby will be speaking at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And investor days for Chevron and Goldman Sachs will kick off at 8.30 a.m. this morning. Ahead of that Goldman event, Chairman and CEO David Solomon joined Squawk Box in a first on CNBC interview 
at 8 a.m. Eastern. A lot to talk about, a lot of developments for that bank. All right, let's dive into the trading day ahead with your next guest who calls herself a reluctant bull. Victoria Green is the founding partner and chief investment officer of G Squared Private Wealth, as well as a CNBC contributor, and she's right here in person. Victoria, great to have you here. Thanks, Frank. All right, so I want to break this down. So obviously a big downturn in February, but I'm looking at the year-to-date stuff. S&P still up 3% year-to-year-to-date. The Nasdaq up more than 9%. Why are you a reluctant bull? Because you obviously see upside. So what's the reluctancy all about? It, it just it feels weird because the macroeconomic data is so poor, and everybody's pounding the table on recession and the Fed and the sticky inflation, and so you have all these macro headwinds. But the technicals, and I feel like a little bit the fundamentals are there to support this. Right now, our uptrend line is intact. We've got a lot of good supports here. You know, we have wobbled here in February, but it hasn't broken down again. I do think investors need to be prepared to be nimble. Data is changing, and investors need to be able to update their thesis as new data comes in. But for now, reluctantly, yes, I feel like we're a buyer of these dips. You're, I was such a bear last year. It's you're, weird for you me to talk about You to this reluctant. I'd never know you to waffle. <laughs> Normally, you're just like full speed ahead. I know, so I know. You're talking about economic data. We have a couple things that are definite market movers coming up. We have CPI in the middle of the month. We have a Fed meeting in the middle of the month. And a week later, the Fed minutes. Which one of those has the biggest impact? Uh, I'm going to say Fed meeting. Obviously, then the Fed minutes come after. But those are so curated, and, and it's kind of the consensus. So I love to see here what Powell has to say. I doubt it's going to be much of a surprise. 25 basis points, most likely. I mean, I know there's a little bit, 25% of a 50 basis points. I think that, that's a bit crazy for now. But what Powell has to say, because remember, last time he, he said the, the magic word of disinflation, the market got super excited. So we'll see what, what words come out over there. But it's so weird. We have to parse every sentence, every, every word, every way that they describe inflation in their path forward. But we all know there's a pause coming, be it June, probably June, not May. Right. But that is something the market's very excited for. You know, February has been a kind of a sort of a throwback to late 2022, at least. We're seeing rates rise. We're seeing the dollar on the rise, the dollar up two and a half percent this month. Are there any other similar trends we're seeing? right now that we saw last year that put the markets under big pressure that you're watching? I mean, yields coming up are the big thing. The retest of 4% for the 10-year was something, and it kind of moved in tandem, dollar up, yields up, market down. But one of the things we saw that is different is the leadership last year really hasn't been leading. Growth versus value, you know, obviously it's been a tech story, and it's something we're talking about right now. We made a lot of money on the energy trade last year. Nothing wrong with these energy talks, but look at, like, like Oxy. They had a slight miss. They're announcing dividend increases, right. share buybacks. Nobody's excited anymore because they say, oh, your, your CapEx is going up, your preferred stock. You know, so it's hard to get excited about some of these value areas with staples expensive, healthcare lagging, bond proxies and utilities kind of struggling. So for us, it has become a little bit of a growth story, buying some. We still like quality. We aren't buying zombies. We're not chasing crazy <laughs> risk. I, I don't want to do a Reddit trade, but we do want to have a little bit more growth, a little bit more tech. I do want to ask you about that. You've been a big bull when it comes to energy, at least last year you yeah. were. Um, we're still all waiting for that full China reopening. Aren't oil prices just going to spike when that happens? Uh, but I don't think so. You do have supply increasing. You've seen generally increased CapEx. Almost every EMP has increased CapEx. You have the service companies talking about how much money they think they're going to make uh, and, and how backlogged they are. So you have the ability to increase. You obviously have OPEC. And also the Russia crude really hasn't come off the table because right. it's going to India. It's going to China. They're way around these sanctions. I was reading an article the other day from Bloomberg about how they're swapping oil on tankers outside of Greece. You know, they're, they're trying to find these ways around sanctions. I do think there's a solid floor around 70. We've got to refill all the SPR. There is a demand increase in China, but I think you have a supply. You pretty much are in balance right now, so I don't see us having a spike there. Wild card, obviously, OPEC sometimes changes their <laughs> mind, and that can certainly throw crude markets into disarray. All right, we're into the second year of the Ukraine conflict. We're seeing some tensions between the U.S. and China. 
The VIX is really spiking. You didn't mention that as one of your economic reports because it's not. It's just a kind of a current metric. Um, what do you think about all this, uh, you know, anxiousness in the market and how does that impact the last month of this first quarter? So I, I think when you look at it, we're worried about, does this conflagration grow? It's, it's a tragic story the year on. You can't deny it. It's just, just utterly heartbreaking what's happening in Ukraine. The question is, is China getting involved? What's going to happen with Taiwan? You have all these geopolitical chess pieces that we're certainly watching. But for now, you know, I am a firm believer in status quo and that the world is not going to, to implode and, and, and blow up. So I kind of go with that as my baseline investment case. But you're certainly seeing tensions ratchet, and you're seeing that now get into companies. Apple kind of trying to shift away from China did not like how it was kind of stuck right. over there manufacturing-wise. I think you're going to see more and more shifts back to either onshoring or kind of countries we have on more stable footing. I think that is kind of the next trend, five to ten years, energy security, supply chain security. I think all of that was exposed in 2020 right. through 2022, and I do think that's going to impact prices. All right, so we're, we're laying out all the reasons why it's a pretty volatile market. It's a stock picker's market. You can't just buy the index right now. What are your picks right now? What would you invest in right now? Well, there's two companies I really like. One is Chenier. They had blowout energy numbers. That they're, they, look, they export LNG, liquefied natural gas. I understand that gas prices are extremely low right now. But it is all about this play in Europe that they're going to have to get their gas from somewhere. And we didn't see the gas crisis we thought we'd see in Europe. Very mild winter so far. But we think Chenier is the best operated company. They're continuing to bring on more and more terminals. That, that energy security is a huge play for us. They, they're a five, ten-year growth story. I think they're just ramping up. The other one we like is Oidas. We, we think I think they're very underestimated right now. They have a patent uh, that's pending in the U.S., not even in any of their 2023 numbers uh, for painkiller for, for cats, I believe. Right. And it's been a very, very effective in Europe. So we get that on board. They had a lot of supply chain hassles last year, really underperformed. We think those headwinds are behind them, and we think they're being underestimated a little. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count either one of those two stocks out. So that's very interesting. You pick something in like the, the pharma biotech space with Zydas, but it's really focused on animals, farm animals and also pets, as you mentioned. Um, in general, where do you see the next either downtrend or uptrend when it comes to the market? Um, you mentioned the Fed meeting, but is that a week after the Fed meeting? I mean, because there's still like a lot of people putting money into the market, especially retail traders, and a lot of people have confidence. We mentioned the Nasdaq's up about 9% year to date. I, I think you're seeing some momentum play. Your breadth is a lot better. I think, one, we'll see what, what Powell says. He typically moves the market more than the right decision, unless the right decision's 50 basis points. But assuming the right decision status quo, Powell speaking tends to move the market. Uh, recently, even if it's been a little bit more hawkish, it, the markets have liked what he has to say. They find some nugget in there. The pause is coming. We're going to have to wait on this data lag. Okay. Um, so I think the, the, what I'd watch for the next leg down, one, really hot data still. That's going to okay. mean higher for longer. And then two would be if we see these trend lines break, you know, okay. this uptrend that we just established in October. We, we want to see that hold. Victoria Green from G Square Private Wealth. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here, especially in person. All right, before we wrap Wex up, a market flash for you on Apple. Reports just crossed in the European Commission has decided to narrow its antitrust investigation into Apple and focus on the way the company restricts apps from informing users about alternative subscription options. Those reports add that the EU is expected to announce charges against the tech giant later today. The move comes just a month after Spotify and seven other companies urge regulators to take meaningful regulatory action against Apple's longstanding anti-competitive practices in Europe. The music streaming platform has accused Apple of not enabling it to use links in the app we have much more on this on .com. Apple shares down fractionally right now. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 